0: Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercies to us this morning. We thank you uh, for this uh, wonderful time of uh, singing and praise to you. We ask, Lord God, that you uh, would be pleased to bless our time of worship, bless our time of gathering together, Lord, for uh, we offer up our, our praise to you and thanksgiving for your great mercies to us. Uh, we, Lord, acknowledge our need <clears throat> to, to be here today to express uh, worship uh, to you, to give praise and honor and glory where praise and honor and glory belong. We pray, Lord God, that, that we may uh, take up the, the robes of our Lord Jesus, his righteousness, We give you thanks that uh, though we were all of sin and fallen short of your glory, yet in the work that our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross, that sufficient payment has been made for our sin, and you have cleared us, Lord, with a clean bill of health uh, to worship you and to be called your children to be adopted into your very family, that we might uh, have fellowship with you and with our Lord Jesus Christ and with his spirit and with one another uh, because of his work on the cross of Calvary. Uh, Bless us, Lord. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our understanding to comprehend that that you would speak to us in and through your word. And we pray, Lord God, that you would uh, strengthen us that we might order our steps in accordance to your word. Walk in a manner honorable and pleasing to the glory of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in that name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. And blessings to you at home. We're so thankful that that you could be with us this morning and uh, that for those of you that are online uh, joining us, we, we welcome you. We're just uh, delighted to, uh, to be in God's house to worship uh, for the privilege we recognize it as uh, these days when uh, it's uh, difficult times, difficult days with uh, the grace of God abounding. In our lives and His glorious uh, goodness and grace through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and I thank you, the praise team, for a good time of worship where we can lift our voices and and sing and and give praise this morning uh, for our time together. Um, I want to just um, encourage you. It's it's difficult not seeing all of our people. It's wonderful to have a few more faces and. A, Congregation this morning, and uh, uh, it, it means a lot. I know that uh, those of you that are at home online that uh, that you're seeing my face, but I don't get to see yours. And um, so, I, I would it would help me uh, to know that you're there. And so, if, if you would like on the Facebook book comment page, just say, Hey, we're here. Uh, We're enjoying the service and um, we're uh, worshiping the Lord this morning with you. Uh, That would mean a lot to me. Uh, Apart from that, we have uh, Beyond the Pulpit at 3 p.m. I know that many people have things going on on Sunday and that kind of thing. But even if you drop in and we get to see your face, uh, that means a lot. Uh, So uh, that way I'm not going for for multiple weeks and months without seeing some of you, um, and I know that there are others in the church body that would like to, to have that opportunity as well, uh, and it is a time where we can uh, can uh, see one another and at least be face-to-face in cyberspace there, uh, so I would encourage you, if you're able to, even if it's just dropping in, you don't have to stay for any of the discussion that goes on about the sermon or that kind of thing, but uh, just to drop in and say hello uh, on Zoom at 3 would be a a blessing to me, I know, and to others as well, uh, if we can see one another. And it's great for those of you that made it this morning uh, to be with us and to have this time of worship. You'll open your Bibles to Romans. Chapter Four. We're in Romans, Chapter Four, this morning, moving along here, uh, verse by verse, uh, unfolding Paul's argument uh, in regard to the not being ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I hope that we that God will permit us by His grace to to really lay hold of the, the gravity of the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ that we may uh, know that love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God and this uh, righteousness that has been given to us. For in it, the righteousness of God has been revealed to us uh, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And in completing Romans chapter 3, we, we moved into that theme uh, this morning uh, of the justification that comes by faith in Jesus Christ and the righteousness of God that is expressed in the manner in which he saved a bunch of, of, of fallen and sinful people that could not save themselves, that could not attain to the righteousness of God, apart from it being imputed to us by the miraculous power and work of God. And this is where we are in the book of Romans. It's just an incredible expression of God's love for God's people. So I pray that we may uh, bask in uh, these illustrations this morning from chapter 4 because the the title of the sermon is Justification by Faith Illustrated. Paul has just explained how the righteousness of God has been expressed to us; that He is just. He is just in saving you as a sinful person that should be separated from a holy God for all eternity, uh, with no chance or no opportunity to uh, to return in a, a relationship of intimate fellowship with our God and Creator. But He is just in providing this righteousness and he has justified all those who have by faith put their trust in Jesus Christ. This is an incredible expression of the love of God and a wonderful thing that's given to each of us and I pray that you as God's children know the fullness of what it is that God has done for you in justifying you by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's an ex- incredible expression. And it's unnatural. It's not something that could have happened in this world. By the principles of nature on planet earth. And by God's creation. It had to be something. The, the new birth. The regeneration. Being born again. And to the family of God. Had to be a miraculous work of the power of God. So let's look at these verses uh, 1 through 8 in chapter 4 this morning. I'll read them out loud. You follow along in your Bibles. Um, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God and it was imputed or reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as of grace, but as of what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness apart from works. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning as we consider now justification by faith as it's illustrated by God and illustrated by the Apostle Paul because he wants to take this universal principle of truth that justification of sinful mankind can only take place by God's work through Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And now he illustrates this principle to to let us know that it was this principle that was true in the Abrahamic covenant um, and it was true in the Old Testament and it was illustrated to us in the Old Testament. Um, as a dispensationalist, uh, I've, I've found that, that often or frequently uh, the, the statement is made that the dispensationalists believe that in the Old Testament they were saved by uh, the keeping of the law, they were saved a different way. And I don't know of any dispensationalists that teach that principle. Teach that truth. Dispensationalists <clears throat> believe that Old Testament and New Testament, that a person is saved by grace through faith. Uh, that salvation comes only in that way. And it's demonstrated in a number of different ways, uh, especially as you go through the uh, principles in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, uh, the teaching on faith there. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. That uh, explains uh, this principle uh, that God uses in regard to our salvation, so this morning we want to look at justification by faith, as it is illustrated in the law and the prophets. and I take this from from verse twenty one if you look back in chapter three of verse twenty one it says, "But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God, Now this phrase, the righteousness of God." righteousness and justice from the is from the same uh word there it's it's the same idea that justification by faith the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets so paul is saying that in the old testament this righteousness of God uh, apart from the law was illustrated, it was demonstrated in the Old Testament. Well, where was it demonstrated? Well, that's where he's going to here in chapter 4. It's demonstrated by the law and the prophets. So he goes to Abraham, uh, and we, we see the faith of Abraham, and we find in the faith of Abraham uh, there is demonstrated God's grace uh, given and granted to Abraham uh, through faith through the exercise of simply believing what God said, believing God at his word. Uh, and so the scripture tells us that, uh, that Abraham's covenant was founded upon faith. And so we, we say that Abraham is the father of faith, that he is the one that, uh, that taught initially uh, this principle that it's uh, faith in God apart from works. Now if we think about this, I want you to, 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 to bear in mind some of the things that we taught in the past. I think it was last fall. But we looked at the time of Noah. And at the time of Noah, it was much like today. All had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wrath of God was demonstrated on planet Earth. God wiped everyone out. Okay, uh, Then as, as Noah comes after the flood... Uh, God uh, the scripture says that that but now noah found but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, so God took this one family and from him all the families of, of earth today have come from, and Noah found grace, he found favor from God. The idea there is that God in his grace it wasn't that Noah Uh, was uh, apart from the rest of humanity and that he was not deserving of death for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Noah had fallen sin and fallen short of the glory of God, but God had a plan whereby he would restore the relationship of man uh, and a covenant was given to Abraham in regard to this very thing. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Uh, and in the unfolding plan of God for the redemption of mankind, uh, Noah was saved by grace through faith. Right? God mercifully took one, all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and he, he showed mercy to He showed favor. And that's exactly what happens with the gospel. It's exactly what happens in Jesus Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to all who will receive. To all who receive righteousness not of their own making, not through the law. But it's apart from the law. It's something that God imputes to our, our account. And we believe Him. We trust that God has the power and it's able to do something that can't be done, humanly speaking. It required God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, to take upon himself flesh and come and dwell among us, a second Adam to bear the sin. And at some time, at some point, I want to speak to you about uh, the the Genesis mandate that was given to Adam, one that was not fulfilled. Um, Because God said, uh, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. But Adam lost any ability to take dominion over the earth. He lost any ability in the fallen nature. And so in, in Romans chapter 5, we see the second Adam comes. And it is this second Adam that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he takes dominion. He squelches the rebellion and brings all back under subjection to the Father. That's God's plan. And it, it's it's uh, the plan is the power of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Well, who's the Jew? Well, he's the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of this. One that was given the covenant. So the faith of Abraham, his covenant was founded upon faith. And we find that in Romans 3.27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by a law of faith. By a law of faith. And uh, so we find, if we if we break down the, the, the parts of of the covenant that was given to Abraham... We're going to find what the procedure that Paul follows here in chapter four, okay? and the procedure there, uh, or, or what was given in the covenant, is that uh, that God would bless Abraham with land, with seed, with an inheritance, and with blessing. Okay, so so these three aspects of the Abrahamic covenant are addressed here and the first of these that are are, are addressed as, as is kind of reverse. it's the blessing. He begins with the blessing that's found in Abraham and that goes through verse 12 of chapter 4. In verse 13 we see the, the promise of Abraham and or to his descendants that he would inherit it would be the heir of the world that he's given the land. Uh, and then in verses 17 to, I think it's like 21, uh, uh, there's the inheritance or the seed, the inheritance it's given. Uh, so we find that that Paul is expressing the, the plan of God, this wonderful plan of God uh, to, to bring about the dominion of the earth rather than destroying and wiping out as he did uh, in, in Noah's day God is drawing all of those who will come by his grace by his power to salvation in Jesus Christ uh, that he might um, know the, the fullness of his plan and purpose that man being created in God's image would have fellowship with God It's a wonderful thing that we can, as a church, have fellowship with God, even though we do not see our Lord Jesus face to face, and we we do not enjoy the presence of, of God in the third heaven as the angels do, that through the salvation that has been given in Jesus Christ, we can worship God this morning. Uh, The Scripture that Jesus Christ sent His Spirit and this Spirit indwells us and that Spirit communicates gifts that come from God to one another and and the fellowship that we have within the church body is a taste of, of, of future glory that we get to know as God's people. So as we consider faith because the righteousness of God is the expression, that expression that we have been justified by faith. We've been justified by the righteousness of God. He is just to take us as sinful people and bring us back into his family. And he's able to do that in accordance with his holiness and righteousness and justice. Because Jesus Christ paid the full penalty for your sin. And what we found was that that uh, we are justified by god's as a gift freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed as a propitiation in his blood through faith. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus on the cross of Calvary, justified you. And, and paid the penalty for all of your sins. And by faith and trusting, believing and trusting God at His word, that we're ushered in, that we're, we're given new life in Jesus Christ. And by faith we trust in God's salvation through Jesus Christ. That it is the righteousness of God that has justified us. That He is not compromised in any way who He is. So he's dealing with the problem of of evil, with the problem of sin, that which resides within us and within our flesh, that we're uh, the nature that cannot be apart with a holy God, and yet God is able to do that justly, but there was only one way that it could be done, and that was through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ says and declares, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Hebrews 11.1 one declares that faith. Um, we do not see God, but we believe Him. We're sure of what He said to us. That's faith. That's the expression of faith. We are confident. Now, this word, hypostasis, uh, is, is the, the word it kind of means substructure, that which something rests upon. Uh, it's the foundation. It is the basic substructure. When I, I worked in the oil fields uh, in the summers through college, I, we, we moved rigs and, and they have a, a, a structure that's called the substructure that it's, it's planted when we when would when bring the rigs in, that would be the first thing that would go down. Uh, right next to where they're going to drill. And on the substructure, they would put this A-frame, and up against the A-frame, they would raise the derrick. And the derrick would be propped against the substructure with the A-frame. And there it would drill. It would do the work. It was from that that principle, that structure, that that the work was done. The substructure was essential, and no work could be done without that, that substructure. So faith is the the sure foundation of of our our trust in jesus christ and and what frees us to live righteously before God it's only by faith it can't be by our works because we can't do work without the substructure without the foundation of faith in what God has done, and so uh, faith is being sure being certain being rested upon. Uh, that hope that has been given to us through his word and the certainty of what we do not see, knowing that God's word. Isn't that exactly what Abraham did? Abraham believed God. Here was a man that was a 100 years old, didn't have a son. And God was telling him he's going to be the father of many nations and he was going to inherit this land and he was going to give him the land and that uh, and that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. Abraham's going, wait a second, it doesn't look right. Something's wrong here. I don't have a son, and you're telling me that I'm going to be the father of many nations. But the scripture says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's phenomenal. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing that God has done. And just as miraculously, God has spoken to us this morning through the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, through Abraham. And he has communicated to us that if we believe him at his word, he will do what seems impossible. Things that, are, that we can be certain of. Things that we do not see. Isn't that awesome? And you say, you don't know how rotten I am. You don't know how deep and how gross my sin has been. You don't know where I've been and you don't know what I've done. There's no way that God can forgive me that I could know life again with God. But the Scripture tells us, His Word tells us, His promise is true and sure. His grace is good for the darkest and deepest of sinners. And the Scripture tells us that we come as we are, as rotten as we are, and that we trust in the promises of God and what God has done for us, that God is well able to remove that sin, to pay in His righteousness, to justly pay for the penalty of all that we've done. And I mean, I'm speaking about the vilest and worst sinners on planet Earth. They can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. His propitiation in his blood was sufficient that by faith in that to, to pay the penalty for the sins that have been committed. The scripture says that he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy over those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far as he separated our transgressions from us god has done great wonderful things and it's my prayer this morning that those all of those within the hearing of my voice would know and that god's holy spirit would give them just a glimpse a glimpse into the breadth and the length and the depth and the height Of the love of God that's been expressed in Jesus Christ for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. For the restoration, the reconciliation of a broken, hopefully contrite sinner. uh, Into the very presence and and reconciled to the very God that created them. And to know the redemption that has been wrought in our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for you. It's a personal thing. God knows every one of you. He knows your heart. He knows what you think. He knows the secret motives of the heart. He knows uh, uh, the things done in secret that you don't want other people to know. God knows all of those things. And faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of those things that we do not see But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I pray that you will find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Notice if we go back to chapter 3 that God displayed publicly as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over sins previously committed. So if we go back to Abraham's day after the judgment of the entire world, Man just as sinful, and we go into the Old Testament, what it's saying here in this verse is that God passed over those sins previously committed, passed over them in his forbearance, in patience. He's waited and withheld judgment that we we discussed and talked about, the wrath of God, for in it... the. Uh, For the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And we saw it demonstrated at the flood that man was worthy of death. We've seen it demonstrated. And so, but here in his forbearance in Abraham's day and after, he's passing over these sins. And what were they doing in the Old Testament? Besides making sacrifice, day and day, blood was being shed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The 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 type was being given. It was being spoken through the law and the prophets that uh, now apart from the law of the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The, the law and the prophets were witnessing to the fact that God would publicly display in Jesus Christ the propitiation in His blood for our sins through faith. Through faith. It's a wonderful thing. It is a marvelous thing. It's something that we should not be ashamed of. That the power of God has been demonstrated. That the righteous, in it the righteousness of God has been revealed. He's righteous. He's righteous to forgive your sins regardless of how dark and how bad you have been. God is able by His power to remove that sin, to separate it from you. As far as the east is from the west, like as the father pities his children, so the Lord pities those that fear Him. Uh, and like as the flower of the field, so uh, man, uh, man flourishes, the, for the wind passes over and it is gone, but the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercies of a loving, heavenly Father have been offered up to you freely by God's grace through no work of your own, through no plan of your own. God has done wonderful, marvelous things to us. Amen, brother. He has done marvelous things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second point in verse 2, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. He has something to boast about. He was not justified by his works. Abraham wasn't justified by his works. The scripture says that uh, righteousness was imputed to Abraham. Uh, So uh, where do we boast Who is going to say, now think about this, if the wages of our sin is death, who's going to be able to stand before God and say, I paid the full wages you owe me because that's what God would have to do if we were able to purchase and to work for and and able to live up to the standards of the law and and stand before God, we would say, God, uh, look how good I am. You know, I... I belong in your presence. I belong not here on planet earth where everything is so grubby, but there in your presence in heaven with you forever. Uh, no, there's, there's something something that's seriously wrong here. And, and there's, there's no boast that man can make in regard to the grace that God has given for our salvation. So, verse 3, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him or credited to him as righteousness. So the third point is that his righteousness was imputed to him through faith, not through the works of the law, not because, you see, because uh, many of the Jewish people in Paul's day, and he was addressing this kind of thing, they basically thought that, well, Abraham (coughs) lived in accordance with the law, and he was given extra points of grace and because of those extra points that Abraham received he was able to give that grace to uh, his heirs and so they saw this salvation as through works but Paul is is giving them this argument that it wasn't through the works of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to, him to through righteousness. Abraham was the man of faith and his righteousness, and any righteousness that he had was the product of what God did in and for and through him. The works that Abraham did were not the overflow of his goodness. The works that Abraham did were the the... the Um, the result of Abraham by faith believing in the grace of God and trusting that what God said. Okay, do you see that, that principle? Well, what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's where his righteousness came from. So what what does the Scripture say? Where does Paul go? And what, is, what does it mean that the Scripture said this? God said this. Paul is saying, look, it wasn't Abraham. It wasn't his good works. It wasn't that Abraham lives in such a way that he was able to, to pass good works on to his, his inheritance. It was on the authority of God's Word. What does the Scripture say? What did God say? God said that Abraham believed God and it was Credited to him, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So that word, that idea of of uh, credit or um, of belief, it has to do with uh, imputed or or reckoned or credited. The idea it's it's a legal account, accounting for for righteousness, the righteousness of God. We're justified by faith in His righteousness. So, and then in verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. Think about it. God can't owe you anything. It's it's impossible for God who created us to owe us anything. And if we worked in such a way and and were able to make boast before God and say, Well, look at all the great things that I've did for you. uh, Then God would owe us eternal life. But the scripture makes it very clear that the one who works his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. So what's the opposite of that? Well, the one who, who's, who works and, and thinks that he's, he's uh, uh, credit, he can boast in those things before God. But no man can boast before God. That's why the scripture tells us that it's the broken and contrite that God looks upon in his favor. And then we get to verse 5. But the one who does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited, it's imputed to him for righteousness. God gives that to you. It's a free gift of His grace. It is what God credits to you through the work that Christ did in His righteousness on the cross of Calvary. And that payment, the atonement that He made, the substitutionary atonement that Christ made, the propitiation in His blood through faith is where our redemption comes from. His faith was in God imputed righteousness to His account. God imputed righteousness to you. And it's offered to you as a free gift. And it's received by faith, simply believing in the integrity of the word that God has spoken. It's simply believing what God has said in His Word that is sufficient for the payment of your eternal separation from God that was paid for in full by Jesus Christ. Paid in full. Imputed to your account. God took your sin, imputed it to the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ died the death that God said that we would die for sin. On the cross of Calvary. The affliction of God. The the Son of God was afflicted. The Son of Man. The offspring of David. Was afflicted with the penalty for our sin. On the cross of Calvary. But God didn't stop there. God took the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And gave it to you as a free gift. Scripture says. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for His indescribable, unspeakable gift. It's simply we can't sing about it enough. We can't boast in it enough. There's nothing that we can do to proclaim it enough. But the Apostle Paul guarantees us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to us dirty old Gentiles. Isn't that awesome? God has done great and marvelous things for our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessings on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Okay, so what does he do? He brings in, he brought in Abraham, but here we go to the Psalms. It's a quote from Psalm 32 that's being mentioned here. Uh, But the faith of David uh, means that David, he's speaking here in the Psalms, as a prophet, he's speaking of God's imputed righteousness. God has imputed righteousness to David. Now, what's the context that David is speaking of sin? What is the context? David has uh, committed gross sin. And... David has confessed his sin before God. Now this is this is David. It's in uh, Second uh, Chronicles. I mean Second Samuel chapter eleven, and it's also in the Chronicles where it's recorded that David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and actually had Uriah the Hittite, her husband, put to death. He had him murdered. David had grievous sin. Before God. And this is the man that God had given the, the, the covenant of David, the promise of the coming Messiah to. This is uh, David, a great man of faith, a great man of God, fallen in sin. It was after God had made the covenant with David. In other words, God didn't make the covenant based on upon David's good works and because David was perfect and that they, because David was a man that 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 lived according to the law and fulfilled the law, therefore God gave him the covenant. God knew that David had this issue of sin in his life. God saved David. God gave the covenant to David before David committed the sin with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. Do you ever think about that? And David and when he's brought to repentance you know if you know the story that Nathan the prophet comes to him and he says you're that man there is David I mean he was completely uh, for for some 9 months almost 9 months David was uh, broken fellowship with God he was he was uh, not convicted of his sin but when Nathan the prophet came and and he he uh, Spoke this this little uh, scenario before David, <clears> then <throat> David God brought conviction of sin, for his life, and as David he he confesses his sin before God, and and he comes to this place in Psalm chapter thirty two, and he speaks of the blessing of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. You see, David didn't didn't earn the Davidic covenant. God gave it by grace. And God gave it in light of the fact that he knew all of the things that were wrong with David, just like God knows all of the things that are wrong with you. And so it, it's, it's, it begs the point, it makes the point that you don't come to God on the basis of cleaning up your life and presenting yourself before God. But you come to God just as you are uh, with all of the, of the weight of sin and all of, of the, the reality uh, that the God that created you is separated from you and there's no fellowship, there's no relationship there. And to know by faith that God loves you and through Jesus Christ He supplied this way to restore that fellowship, to restore that relationship. God has done great and mighty things and He speaks, David speaks here, the Holy Spirit speaks, the Word, the Scripture speaks. God's Word to you speaks that there's the blessing on the man to whom the God credits righteousness apart from His works. God imputes that righteousness that was in Jesus Christ to you. Knowing full well how sinful David was. Knowing full well how sinful you are. Paul wants to make the point here. From the law and the prophets, it is spoken. It is witnessed to. It is testified to. And what is being testified to? Well, but now apart from the law of God, the righteousness of God has been manifested. The righteousness of God has been manifested to you. Why would you not? Why would you not believe God at His Word? Why would you uh, to believe the lie that goes on in our heart that God really doesn't love me? He's really not there. God has done everything to separate you from the evil that separates you from Him. He's miraculously empowered through the Gospel uh, this wonderful thing. It's the power of God to salvation. It's the power of God to achieve what you cannot achieve for yourself. Unfortunately for many believers today, they're caught and ensnared in, uh, in those futile attempts in the flesh to try to restore that relationship to God when by faith in God's grace we may believe His Word and know that we have been restored in Jesus Christ. Simply by trusting in His Word. Simply by believing There's not some gulf between you now because of your sin. That's your flesh speaking. That's the law. That's works speaking. There's nothing that is separating you from our Father in Heaven. There's nothing that's separating you from a relationship with Him. In fact, the Scripture says, this is eternal life to know Thee, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You can know him personally, although he's not here physically. You can't see his face. You can't touch him. The scripture says that by faith we can believe him, believe his word, and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and have relationship with him. There's no reason why you can't pray. There's no reason why you can't go before the throne of grace. There God's presence through Jesus Christ, through His righteousness, by faith we have opportunity. And how much do we take it in times of prayer? How often do we spend time in God's presence? And how often it is that we we are struggling in the in the energy and the strength of the flesh just to have relationship with God and wondering where God is. Where are you, God? How come it is that my prayers are bouncing off the ceilings? How come it is that it seems like I'm talking to no one? Well, what we need is our faith strengthened to know that that what He has said, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Think about it. In prayer, we can, because God has imputed righteousness to us, we can come into His presence and speak to the God who rules from his throne in heaven. The earth is his footstool. Uh, he is able in his sovereignty to do whatsoever he wills and to choose uh, to do exactly what he wills. And we, are being, we have been given the privilege to come boldly before the throne of grace to lay our petitions before. And the scripture tells us that if we abide in Christ and his word abides in us, and we shall ask what we will and it shall be done unto us. That's a, a union with God's will, a union with God's purposes. And so we may not understand those purposes. God doesn't tell us he's going to help us to understand his purposes all the time, but he asks us to, to live by faith, to believe that he's doing what he's doing and he knows what he's doing and He he's compassionate, he loves us, he cares about you, he wants to hear you come to him in prayer. He wants for that relationship to, to grow with you. He must grow through faith. So the scripture tells us that proving every faith is more precious to God than gold and silver. It's more precious than anything. It means everything. The righteous, the just shall live by faith. And in verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Uh, so David represents the uh, imputed righteousness given to uh, to those and given to himself an acknowledgement that that righteousness was not David's own but given by God's grace. And David deeply loved the Lord and was restored, as we know. Verse 7, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. David is acknowledging that God... Uh, that he um, forgave his sins he he covered uh, those sins um, so there's a, a forgiving of our lawless works uh, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven from psalm thirty two one whose sin is covered the transgression is forgiven transgression is is a word for rebellion it's the It's the idea of man's autonomy from God, his separation from God. And his sin is covered. Uh, The the atonement of God is is that God, um, He he took away that sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. He's uh, forgiven our lawless deeds and it's covered our sins. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then um, we look at Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 10 and going back to the law and, and as we, we look at the, the law and the prophets witnessing to these things, we find that the scapegoat was given there in the Old Testament. Of course, they had uh, there were two, two rams uh, that were offered up and one ram was offered for the people and its blood was shed. And the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so it's proclaiming uh, in the forbearance of God and His patience that that the sin is going to be paid for. In the Old Testament, uh, the, the forbearance of God, the, it was passed over. Uh, that uh, forbearance of God, He passed over sins previously committed in the Old Testament. And the the uh, the goat there. Uh, uh, at atonement was uh, its throat was cut it was offered up as a sacrifice and it was an expression of, of that future payment that God would make in Christ Jesus but there was a second ram and the goat on which the lot, lot fell for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it uh, to send it into the wilderness as a scapegoat so there's one goat that was sent away you know the idea that and, and they notice that they would lay their hands upon the scapegoat. And it, it represented the transferal, uh, just as God made He who knew no sin become sin for us. The transferal of our sin upon the scapegoat, upon our Lord Jesus, was given. And He was separated uh, from us. And so Jesus Christ, when He was crucified on the cross, was crucified outside the gate of the city Just like the scapegoat he was was put out of the city. Um, And so we find these pictures in the Old Testament that was given the testifying of the Old Testament to the coming of that day of atonement, the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ and the work that He would do for you. These wonderful things that we can learn from the Old Testament in regard to God's grace if we understand these basic principles that the Apostle Paul is teaching. We understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so then there's the third point here, and that's that there's the covering of sins, the forgiveness of lawless works, and the covering of our sin. And uh, this was expressed as the the blood was sprinkled over the mercy seat in the the, uh, uh, tabernacle and later in the temple. Uh, God covered our sin with the payment, the just penalty of blood. And the animals rep- simply represented those things. And David said in Psalm 51, you desire not uh, the blood of goats and uh, bulls and rams, uh, but uh, a broken and contrite heart is, is what God desires from us. David experienced that in God's grace and recognized these things that we're talking about in the Apostle Paul is teaching here. So Psalm 32, verse 1, how blessed is he whose transgression... Is forgiven whose sin is covered. And then in verse 8, we find uh, that blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Uh, There's the imputation uh, of uh, our sins being given to Christ, and then the imputation of his righteousness uh, given to us by God's grace. We're thankful for God's wonderful provision in Jesus Christ. and We'll pick up next time with verses 9 and and look uh, a little further here in regard to this principle that Abraham's faith was apart from circumcision, so we've looked at uh, his faith apart from works. But Paul is going to make the point that it's apart from his circumcision as well. In the verses nine through thirteen, or nine through twelve, that we'll look at next time, uh, and uh, then the point that is made apart from the laws given there, uh, and then uh, that Abraham's faith was in God, and that's where our faith belongs. Right, Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercies to us this morning, for the salvation in Jesus Christ, and for the privilege that we have of being your children. We ask, Lord, that you would stimulate us, Lord, by your Spirit, that our faith would grow in you, Lord, that we as your people would uh, rest and trust in you and know that you have done great and mighty things for us and that you desire relationship with us and that you have made a provision for our sins to be taken away that we might worship the Lord Jesus Christ and worship you and worship with one another and fellowship with one another because of what Christ has done and that that which has been lost in Adam's sin and man's rebellion, mankind's rebellion against you has been restored in the Lord Jesus Christ and the power, your power, has been manifested to us as your people. And so, Lord, uh, may your people go this morning uh, full of your spirit and the grace that comes uh, and has been described in your word, the wonderful promises that you have given to us, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places granted to us in Christ Jesus. May we know the fullness of such things, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and may the grace of God be with you and may your faith be strong as we honor our Lord Jesus Christ in these days. God bless.